She reduces, reuses, and recycles. She talks the talk and walks the walk. She doesn't tell you what to think. She just wants you to. She's Mrs. Green. And this is Mrs. Green's World on the Mrs. Green's World Radio Network. And now, Mrs. Green. Welcome, everybody. You are indeed listening to the Mrs. Green's World Radio Network, where we don't tell you what to think. We just want you to. I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. A brief shout-out to one of our sponsors, the Fairfax Companies. They are true leaders in the business of sustainability. I never get tired of saying that. Please check them out at thefairfaxcompanies.com for more information. We thank them for their support and for everything they do to make our community and our planet stronger and more sustainable. Thank you, Fairfax Companies. You've been with me from the beginning. We appreciate it and you. So the name of our show today is The Many Faces of Energy, Challenges and Triumphs. With me in studio for this next hour is someone who gets to deal with many faces of energy on a daily basis. Please join me in welcoming David Hutchins, who's the president and CEO of Tucson Electric Power Company and its parent company. And Dave, I was going to ask you this. Do you just say UNS Energy Corporation? Yeah, generally uh, UNS Energy Corporation, but that's, most people know us for our actual utility affiliates, Tucson Electric Power and that's Unisource what I know Energy you Services. Are, the yeah. energy people. Yep. So great to have you here, my friend, and lots of important things to talk about in the show in the terms of the world of energy. It's a hot, hot topic, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> yes. No pun no, intended. Yeah, no pun intended. It's uh, never a dull moment. It's never a dull moment. And I was thinking about it, really thinking a lot about what I wanted to kind of share with our listeners about David Hutchins and your leadership and the world of energy. So the first question is kind of long, but we have lots of time, so it's okay. You have been with TEP for over 20 years in different positions. You've gotten to witness or experience so many changes in the world of energy. Just in my time as Mrs. Green for nine years and the changing faces of the consumer. So I would love you to share with us what some of those changes you have gotten to be a part of. And I can say, for example, when I started working with TEP and Paul Bonavia sat in that very seat, I think 92% of your energy was provided by fossil fuel. That was nine years ago. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. Fast forward. So just, just talk to us about what you've seen in 20 short years. Yeah, wow, 20. Yeah, I, I could fill, a, fill, fill an entire hour just talking and about that. And if you want to, you can, because it's your show. <laughs> then, then you don't have to go down <laughs> to right. any other and questions. I've had these two pages of other questions. So there's, there's actually a, a couple pieces that I'd want to talk about there. One is just how the energy... Uh, world has changed. And then the second one will be a little bit more about customers and how they've changed over the same time period. Um, but one of the first areas that I went to work in at Tucson Electric Power was in the wholesale marketing and trading area where we actually dispatched and you know purchased power, sold power, and made sure that we had enough power coming in on our big transmission lines uh, to serve our service territory. Uh, so it was a very, very exciting time. So this is, you know, this is back in the mid-90s. And at that time, there was a lot of changes in what we call the wholesale power market or the, the place where uh, utilities basically buy and sell power from each other. And uh, a lot of those changes had to do with uh, events in California. Um, so in, in, the, in the middle 90s, it was um, a very, I would say it was kind of a doldrum period. Natural gas prices were pretty cheap and stable, but the volatility was always expected there. And so when I first started at TEP, uh, we wore a bit of a badge of honor that so much of our power came from coal. In fact, right. it was an right. industry, you know, it was an industry attaboy that we got. <laughs> Uh, for having that much coal in our portfolio, Boy, have yeah, yeah. So that, don't get too far ahead, but it's not right. like that. Yeah, spoiler it's alert. Not like it's that not anymore. like that anymore. Uh, but that's because it had long-term stable prices yes. and cheap, you know, yes. cheap prices. So uh, now, fast forward about five years from then, when I just after I had got into that wholesale area, and you'll remember the the crazy times in California in 1999, 2000, and 2001. Well, I was in the part of the company that was actively involved in that California wow. market, and we saw those natural gas prices just go crazy, and um, which actually at the time probably more solidified 
the idea that those nice, low-cost and stable-cost resources were really the thing to have. Um, so that has changed dramatically over, you know, that was, geez, that was 15 years ago. Um, and so probably up until the mid-2000s, when natural gas continued on this very high and volatile right. uh, price trajectory, um, everything was, was fine. Uh, then, you know, slowly the world... Uh, and our industry was waking up to the fact that you know global warming uh, was real and it was having a real impact. And one of those contributors happens to be the obviously the emission right. of, <laughs> of right. carbon dioxide uh, and greenhouse gases from our generation. And coal has a pretty healthy um, uh, emissions of of CO two. Um, so that has changed dramatically, probably from the mid two thousands up until two thousand. 10, 11, 12, that time frame when you were probably first talking with Paul when he came down here in 2009. And at that time, we said, this is this is not a sustainable position for us to be in. And right. started really looking at how we were going to change our portfolio of assets um, to not only address climate change and pending regulations, um, but to be a little bit more of a balanced and diversified portfolio. Uh, and Paul and I worked uh, together, you know, hand in hand, getting that strategy built up and executed while he was here. And I, I continue uh, kind of carrying the, the torch. So you get to uh, a, a, a today and it is completely um, different than it was 20 years ago. It, there, it's it's no longer that, and it's that huge badge of honor. shifts. Oh, it's huge, not little huge shifts. shifts. It's huge shifts. Yeah. So we so we have slowly shifted the amount of of coal resources that we have, um, and developed a lot of of renewable energy as well to start balancing that portfolio. But we're really just at at the beginning of that. We've got another 10 to 15 years to go um, to completely. Uh, pull off the plan that we have, which is part of our uh, integrated resource plan and part of what we call our, our portfolio diversification plan. So that's how, dra and, and, and in the meantime, I, I have to mention um, that also at the time in, say, the mid-2010 yeah, timeframe or so, um, that's about the time natural gas started getting cheap. And has stayed cheap ever Another since then. Another change, a like huge we're change. talking huge highs and lows. Huge highs and lows. And now it's, I mean, it's, you know, in, in some parts you, you can basically get it for free. I mean, you just transport it to somewhere to burn it, and you can, you can get really cheap natural gas. But at the same time, and this is just as as interesting in my book, especially as it goes to how can you, how can you sustain this type of change right. from right. a from a rate perspective, from a customer price perspective. And, um, you know, luckily, and through a lot of uh, policy decisions, et cetera, uh, both wind and natural gas have come down drastically since 2009. 82% for solar. It's, uh, 80, it's gone down 82% since 2009. I mean, that's unreal. Yes. And it, it wind, really, which was already shifts. coming down, yeah. came down 61%. So big shifts. Um, but one of the other cool parts, I think, and makes it more exciting, because the utility wasn't one you really thought about before. I mean, you'd pay your utility bill. You didn't, you didn't care where the kilowatt hours came from. You didn't care where, how the power was supplied. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, who right. cared? You know, right. I'll pay my bill, carry on. Um, if there's an outage, it annoys you a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the, the drastic change in the conversation, I mean, we're, we're one of the cool kids now, right? right. <laughs> so we, we're part of the energy <laughs> conversation. Right. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty neat spot to be in when no one used to think about any of these policy things. And now it's always front page um, debate, whether it's uh, politics, uh, climate, it's, it's, always, it's always there. And our customers have, have obviously picked up on that. Um, so they definitely have shifted from wanting just sort of that what we with the catchphrase in our industry is safe, affordable, reliable energy, which is the three uh, things that we look to provide. Um, but we have to add sustainable uh, now as well, because our, frankly, our customers are demanding it. And there's been such a shift in just demographics and expectations from our customers as new technology has come in. Everybody wants, you know, that everybody wants an app, right? If you don't have an app where you can 
look at and and customize the service that you provide. If you don't have one of those it's little almost, toggle switches, it's that you can almost turn on ridiculous. Yeah. If there is an app for everything, it's a big joke in our family. Yeah, yeah it's a big it, joke. And and it's not. And and when you think from a demographic standpoint, it's not just the young folks who are really actively involved in Heck this technology. No. This old bag is. Oh, I, I, I count you and the young folks. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's like somebody told me the other day about Shazam, and I'm like, I had had it. Yeah, I had to have it. It's an app that you just put up to a, put up to music a speaker and, and it tells, tells you, you what song yeah. is. I'm like, I wanted this my whole life. Yep. Who's singing this song and what is it? Yep. So that's that's really an example of how things have changed. It is. So you see that the, the customers really want to have and, and things that new products and services that have come in, energy efficiency, home automation, the things you can do to control your energy usage have drastically changed over the last let's say five years in, is has been the most change. Um, and so now our customers want to have um, a customizable solution. They want to be able to come in, and that's that's my dream as well. That's that's our strategy is to focus on us being able to provide a suite of products and services that our and customers, people can actually pick. Yes, and you know, choose. Yes, that's that's wow. that's the dream. I mean, it'll take years to get there, um, but that's that's what we're working towards. Wouldn't it be great? You get online and say, uh, sure, I want you know your regular service, but I also want you know solar, or I want this, or I want so I want an electric vehicle. I'm going to have an electric vehicle in my garage, so I want to you know all all those cool things that you could. You can just dream about picking. So we had a lot of work ahead of us, but that's that's kind of the end goal is to meet that customer where their expectations are. And there have been lots of things that I've seen change with your um, information providing to the consumer. Social media mm-hmm. really amped it up, and you're plugged in. The letter to the consumer that people read and they look at and they talk about, which wasn't around even two years ago. Yeah, I mean, right. it's a new, it's the informed consumer. But I want to ask you about that a little bit deeper in terms of the consumer. In this role of Mrs. Green, a lot of people ask me questions about things, big issues, small issues. And sometimes I do this. I take that deep breath and I say, you know what? It's really complicated. And I was talking to you a little bit before the show about our friend Dan Hogan, who sat me down and explained to me about when you want to do a shift, even if you want if you wanted to change 3% of your energy to solar, let's just say that. It's not just like flipping a switch. You don't just have like the Wizard of Oz saying, okay, let's do that. It's a really complex carbohydrate. There are so many pieces to it. And at the end of the day, this is what I have to say about the consumer, me being one of them. I want my energy. I want to come home and I want my air conditioning to go on when it's 112. And I want my heat to go on when it's, when it's, when it's cold. And I get sometimes frustrated with not really understanding what it takes for you to deliver that to me. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I get frustrated, too, <laughs> because it's, it, is, it's a, it is a very, very uh, And not easily understandable story. for me, but now I understand more. You have to do a lot to change your infrastructure. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. It, it it's is, a big deal. It, it is a, 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 very, a very big deal. Um, and, you know, one of the things you mentioned, the, you know, the heating and air conditioning, and that's the other part that our customers are changing, too. Um, imagine right now if we lost power. Now, it's it's not just HVAC, it's not just lighting anymore. Um, our customers are so much more dependent on electricity, and we'll get more so in the future, but, you know, where it used to be just that comfort and convenience, um, you know, safety, security, now all the entertainment and communication, everything that we have that's connected everything. is got to have everything. an electron. A gizmo. It. Yeah. And yes, if, and, so and, true. And our our tolerance for an outage is however long Zero. you've got left on your on your iPhone charge, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's so annoying. What yeah. happened? And the grid is just tacked so much. I mean, we're in for one hot summer, and I know so many people there. I mean, uh, an old friend of ours is Bobby Gentry. Oh, yeah. And he talked about what it's like to sit there, and you're making sure that we have our energy. It's a huge responsibility. Oh, yeah. I had some pretty nerve-wracking, nail-biting experiences when I was back in that wholesale area when we had really big, when, during that, during that uh, um, the California power crisis, when the prices were, well, compared to right now, um, 20 times the price of, of what they are now. And so then you are really worried on a hot day if any of your generators trip, because if you have to buy it from someone else, it's going to be really, really expensive. 
Um, we so, have no idea as consumers what it's like to manage all that. And yeah. that's part of what I have been hoping to bring about with these Down to Earth series with some of the other members of your team of, is really trying to get consumer, i.e. me, to understand how deep this goes and how wide and how it what how many balls you have to keep in the air it's really mind-boggling yeah it's it's balancing i mean on a oh. on a second by second yes. well, on a millisecond by millisecond yeah. basis the i mean you don't have much longer than that to respond because if you don't things will trip voltages go out of uh, out of uh, variance uh, frequency gets out of variance and and we have recovery mechanisms for that which often means you know you would have to shed load in those types of situations so you have to keep it balanced and when you plan for a system from generator down to all the way down to people's houses is 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 a complicated but at least a planning method that has been around for ages, and we know how to do that. Um, but when you now, in, in the current state, where you have a lot of distributed generation resources on the grid, now you have two-way flows. So you have power that's going in ways that it was the system was never designed for. Right. So that's... See, we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg of things that we need to do to improve a lot of people call it you know our our electric grid i like to call it a network because now it's going to be such a multi-directional multi-faceted system um and i think it's a cooler name frankly i like it (laughs) i like that a lot (laughs) because people understand a network from a communications perspective things are going back and forth all over that's how our grid is morphing and we have to make sure that we have those sensors around the network so that we don't overload parts of the circuit because, you know, overloads in the summer on certain parts of the circuit. You know, if, if you're out of power in the summer, you're going to be awful cranky. And and for some people, I mean, it's life-threatening. Oh, it's for not- the elderly and for little kids, I mean, it's just, it's a big, huge responsibility that you have to ensure, like you said, safe, and it has to be affordable and reliable. Those things really matter and now sustainable. So... Just that's so yesterday of all those things you have to yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. It's like, that, that, well, that's, that's all. Well, that's the blocking that's and tackling, it. right? That's that's the basics that that we have to provide, and yeah. how the other stuff is making sure that you know we we can provide the additional services that our customers want, and that's and we will, and that's what we're here to do. Um, but it is complicated. It, it is really complicated, and part of that, and I know that we're going to. I'm I'm trying to keep a little bit of an eye on the clock because I knew this was going to happen. Time would fly, but even if we have to discuss this after the break. Part of what I call a very integrated, thoughtful process on the part of TEP concerns the move to downtown. Mm -hmm. And I really want to talk to you about that because there couldn't be better timing than literally this week about the article in Biz Tucson front page really and truly crossed my heart, downtown is booming. We couldn't say that until recently. But we kept hoping and hoping. It was like, uh, 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 uh. Well, five years ago, I think it's been five years. Almost, yeah. Okay. 11, you, 11, 11. 11, That's 11, how 11. easy to remember. How could I forget that? <laughs> I was there. You decided as a corporation, I'm sure you're part of that thought mm-hmm. leadership, that you were going to really make a big statement and put a beautiful, magnificent, lead certified building downtown. Mm-hmm. Talk about what your vision was with Paul and the other, the board and the team or what you hope to accomplish. And if I had had you on a year ago, you would not have been able to say, look where we are now. But now you can say, look where we are now. Yeah, and 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 I'll, the the main thing that we wanted to do. I mean, there was a, there was business reasons for doing it. One, we had people scattered all over, and we had right, them in, right, and we truly we, in trailers. Tra- oh I guess my they're gosh. called portables. Oh my um, we call them portables. We wouldn't allow them to call them trailers, but <laughs> right, they were trailers. They were hot and horrible. <laughs> yeah, so we wanted to consolidate that. Right, and we kicked around a lot of ideas, and you know, we had you know, we Fletcher McCusker and and other folks are just chopping at the bit to try to get some things downtown. And we said, you know what? We don't have to ask anybody uh, where we're going to put our building. And this is something that we can do that will be a big shot in the arm for economic development in downtown Tucson. It is bringing 500 more people to the downtown area that go out to eat lunch that you know are have their family meet them down there for dinner right all of those things that create an economic surge 
and and it was i think in a it, dying it, downtown yeah it, it was, was it was awful. and and now you know i i just saw a brand new uh, restaurant i didn't even see when i you know i've been traveling a bit lately a couple weeks ago do tell what is it because we always want to know <laughs> oh, El, there's elvira's, elvira's. yeah I know it's elvira's. How, how long was I that went there? there i went down there in cinco de mayo it opened about i think two months ago but i didn't know either that yeah. came up from two back and that's the same place that's in two back. So we I looked got, at the happy hour thing and said, "I got to get back here." Yeah, well, just try their margaritas. I want you. They're green. That's what I was. You know what I mean? The greens, they're really green. So everybody, we are up on the first break, and I know you are going to want to stay here with me. I'm having the pleasure of spending some time with Dave Hutchins, who is the president and CEO of Tucson Electric Power and his parent company, UNS Energy Corporation. Stay here with me. We've got lots of really good stuff to cover when we get back. Join us for a new Mrs. Green's World episode every Saturday at 12 noon Pacific Time at mrsgreensworld.com. All of our past shows are available as on-demand podcasts at mrsgreensworld.com. Listen on your computer or mobile device using the iHeartRadio app. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. We are a proud member of the Dream Vision 7, Glimmerglass, Green Radio Divas, Blog Talk, and Speak Up Radio Networks. If you have questions or comments about the show, write to us at info at mrsgreensworld.com. We'd love to hear from you. And now, more with Mrs. Green. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, and this is Mrs. Green's World. The name of our show today is The Many Faces of Energy, Challenges and Triumphs. With me in studio for this hour is someone who clearly knows the many faces of energy. Join me once again in welcoming Dave Hutchins, President and CEO of Tucson Electric Power and its parent company, UNS Energy Corporation. Dave, thanks for being here. And we're covering great stuff. I love the information that you're providing because it is a complex carbohydrate. (laughs) Delivering energy to hundreds of thousands of people does not come easily. I could talk about this all day. And I could listen all day. It's something that I've really... Loved educating myself about. So let's talk about, um, is there anything else you want to say about downtown? Because it really does matter. Fast forward to a robust growing, but someone had to be the first. Yeah, I I, I would, because I think, you know, one of the biggest uh, recent events, and actually one of the biggest ones in many, many years, is um, Caterpillar uh, bringing their um, mining headquarters to, to Tucson. And they're going to build uh, downtown just on the other side of the freeway from us. It's major. Yeah, and everybody it's, was going, "Good news for Tucson! Yes. Good news for Tucson!" And, and the neat part was, is when you know when we were pitching this. I'm as a full disclosure, I'm I'm the vice chair of the of Sun Corridor Inc., which is our economic development um, corporation here in, in Thank town. Thank goodness. And uh, <laughs> so when we brought them in, you know, they said, "Hey, can we bring them down to your building?" So that we can show them, you know, this the vibrant downtown that's down there. Show them a space like they're looking for, um, and that's where we brought them in, and and frankly closed the deal. Although you know they were still were thinking about it for for weeks after that, but um, that's where we made our final pitch to them. And uh, you know I think that they saw that they, we would have ne- never got that five years ago, um, because you know if we weren't down there, if we didn't have that. Um, it's an anchor. Business mass. It's down an there. anchor. Yep. Yes, it is. And you know, the building. We should speak about that a little bit because it's it's lead certified. Yep. Energy efficiency like crazy. The yep. water system alone for people to get their water. You're not passing out a lot of plastic bottles. Right. Mrs. Green notes that. Yep. The rainwater harvesting. The the. Um, well, you know a lot about the watershed building. management. <laughs> I mean, I really should. Yeah. And the thing that cracks me up is the most. When you go in, you can't push the elevator buttons from <laughs> from the inside. From the inside, yeah. and there's a whole energy efficiency to that. The way the elevators, yeah, the, the elevators, installation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really very pervasive in terms of what was thought of. Yeah, everything from and, and you know, if you're the energy company and you run around promoting be energy doing efficiency, it up right. <laughs> you better you better walk the talk. And we did that um, in spades. We did it through, you know, the HVAC system. We have solar hot water. We have um, solar uh, photovoltaic. Um, you know, we've the the low E windows having on the 
one of the cool parts is making sure not only that you have efficient lighting, LEDs, CFLs, et cetera, um, but we use a lot of daylighting. Natural and so light, you, yeah, yes. natural light is, is wonderful. And so what that causes you to do is put the offices in the center of the building and all the cubicles around there. Right, And right. the cubicles aren't very high, so you, no matter where you are, you can see all around the and city And you're maximizing the use of, of and light. And that it's light a beautiful filters building. in. Yeah, it's, it's great. I hope Caterpillar will um, emulate you in terms of their, I hope they're going to go for LEED certification. I think I need to be on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I, Mrs. I'm sure Green might come knocking just, at the door. I just don't think anyone builds them that aren't LEED certified. It's really it's, dumb because one of the reasons is because it's energy efficient. And yep. if you're going to do it, it's going to save you on energy and all the water possibilities and I think the other thing is you have a huge, um, like a room that people use for community oh, events auditorium. all the time. And yeah. that, you know, if you're a nonprofit, especially, you can go to some places and it's $1,200 to have a meeting. Yeah. Somebody told me the other day that you're letting them use the room for their retreat and it's saving them about $7,000 Yeah, because of they can use the room. They can bring in catering, so they don't have yep. to have somebody in the in a restaurant or a hotel do the catering. And it was a, a nonprofit that I love, yeah. and they were thrilled to know that you have that as an opportunity. It's booked almost every day of the week for some event or it's like another. Hurry up and get oh, it! It's, it's it's great because we have so many of our employees that are active on, on boards nonprofit and everything. boards yes. that we if if you have a board member from TEP, we make sure that our, those board members, our employees know to offer that up to to help them out it's it's a it's a great space i mean we've had uh, i've had so many great events there it's it's fantastic and it's gorgeous yeah. <laughs> i yeah. love it and, and that, and that was the too. whole reason aesthetically beautiful the whole reason we added that second floor that we had it like we did was basically like a conference center is so that we could share it with the community because it is really their space as well but you make such a good point if you're bringing in a caterpillar and your space is out somewhere near the airport what are you saying about building a robust downtown? Yeah. You can't. You're like you said. You're walking the talk, and yeah. that's a really good point. This is. I told you before we got on air that was. This is kind of like inside edition with Dave Hutchins because <laughs> there are things that I want to you know kind of get inside your head. And when I say that you have to answer to many masters, what I mean is you have a, a staff, a team that you lead. You have a parent corporation. You have the Arizona Corporation Commission. Someday I'm going to say that without a little bit of a chuckle. It's okay. It's not meant to be bad, but it's, I mean, it's another master that constantly changes bosses yeah. <laughs> because of elections. And you have consumers, increasingly vocal and in many ways well-informed consumers. What kinds of things have you learned in your 20 years to this position of leadership that you have to be aware of and keep your wits about you when you're looking at all of those many different approaches that you have to have it's a big deal oh it is it is a big deal i i, I would say and i could sum it up in one word and that's balance i mean that's really what we Love try it. to do is is balance um the interest i mean it, at the end of the day we provide a vital um community good a, totally. good, a good service um and we cannot ever shirk that responsibility. But in the meantime, we have to make sure that there's a balance between all the... There's a lot of competing interests. And um, and that's a better way of saying it than many masters. A lot yeah, of competing, competing interests. Competing it's, interests. Very, it's very true. Yeah, and it's... Uh, and that's... It, it, but, but I'll tell you one thing. If you always think that your customer is... That your, your, your main master, to put it in your terms, then you'll always do well. Making sure that you are always providing the best result for your customers. And it's it's a plural. You can't pick on pick and choose right, right, right. a certain class of customer. You can't pick and choose. Um, you know, uh, you have to make sure that what you're doing is a balanced solution for all your customers. That if you're if you're doing that, everything else falls into place. Your community relations fall into place. Um, your relationships with your commissioners fall into place. Your board, you'll run a great company. People will like you, and that's 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 the key. Satisfied. It's satisfying the customers. It's all about making sure that our customers get a good experience and get a fair shake. And that's goes back to that safe, affordable, reliable. That's that's what they want. Um, now you add sustainable. That's another balance mechanism that you have to put in there. Right. You, right. You you could you you know you could 
go 100% renewables, but at what price and at over what time frame? And that's what you have to make sure that you're always balancing. And have such a diverse base of customers. I mean, it's it's unreal. Oh, yeah. Really unbelievably at, real. At, at very different Oof. levels of understanding of the service that we provide. Yes. Is there anything that you want to say, kind of what I think is the uniqueness of your structure? A lot of utility companies just distribute. Mm-hmm. A lot of utility companies, maybe not utility companies, but they supply. You have to you source your energy and yeah. you have to distribute it. And it is quite unique in terms of structures. It, yes? It, it's... Um, it didn't used to be. It used to be the the model that probably every utility started out with, which was um, we call it a, a vertically integrated utility, where we provide the generation, um, we transmit it to the to the system, and then we just distribute it within the system. Right. So the right. Tr- generation, transmission, and distribution. Um, now, some areas have formed over you know different periods of time. You know, like New York's been around for a long time. Uh, these uh, organized markets where they basically pull the, the generation off and ha- have a competitive market to supply it. That's was the the closest uh, we got was the California market that I mentioned back <laughs> yeah, right. in 2000 okay. yeah. and 2001. And we were actually going down that path in the early 2000s. And after that happened, uh, our, the regulators got with us and said, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this quite yet. Let's make sure that, you know, this this looks like a lot of risk on the customers, because think of the volatility um, and the risk that is pushed right. onto the onto those customers. So it used to be like that. Now, depending on the regions, some have uh, just transmission and distribution. Some are just distribution only type entities. Um, but I'll tell you what: having all three really keeps you know that's that's juggling a lot of balls at a time because you have different <laughs> it regulations takes my breath away. It's yeah. like what so yes. so our transmission is actually regulated by the the federal energy regulatory commission um as is our generation if right, it relates right. to you know interstate sales the wholesale sales i mentioned before and distribution is is all within our our state regulation and there's different Regulation, legislation, policy, uh, everything in all of those different pieces at any given time. Yes. And so, yeah, there's different days of the week. I wish we didn't have one piece or the other, but uh, having it from from stem to stern really gives you a a good view of the overall complete um, energy marketplace. So it's got its headaches and its pluses. I mean, it really does. I can see why people would change and only want to have responsibility for this part but at least you have ultimate control <laughs> i've got ultimate power yeah I, I, I wouldn't go that far but yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> many masters many many yes, many masters a uh, yes, lot, lot of regulations in there a lot of regulations and i think a perfect segue is something that i would like to understand a little bit more and it was about the time when you when you discussed when really substantive changes starting to be measured i had already started mrs green's world and in 2006 the Arizona Corporation Commission approved the Renewable Energy Standard and requiring that, and I really want you to talk about this, that that in that year, it said electric utilities must generate 15% of their energy from renewable resources by 2025. Mm-hmm. Look at where you are in terms yeah. of there and beating that. Yeah, we're, we're probably um, two-thirds of the way there already. And it's 2016. Yeah. So you're hurrying it up. Yeah. So we, we actually, in, in the last IRP that we filed, in this, and we'll file the same thing in this updated one that's coming out here in the next month or two, I think, um, you know, we have committed to actually looking at um, the, the we, we've targeted, let me put it this way, we've targeted doubling that 15% and changing that to right. 30% by, right. tw- by 2030. I know Jeff Yaki talked to you yes, a little bit about he did. that. And that uh, that's 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 big for us because we think um, we think the long term uh, portfolio that makes sense for us, given where we started, that you're ninety percent, um, you know, coal way back when, to you know probably in the sixty percent today, to where we want to ultimately get in that twenty thirty time frame is a nice balanced portfolio. In rough terms, about a third coal, a third natural gas, and a third what we call zero carbon resources, which are renewable energy and energy efficiency. And that's the balance that we want to have out there, and we're taking those those steps to get there. Does it change? Like I was thinking about how the the people that are the corporation commissioners, it's an elected uh, 
it's a, it's an appointment. No, it's no, elected. It's, elected. it's elected. elected. So they, yeah. those people change. Mm-hmm. So for something like this that is passed, is there the ability for the new commissioners to come in and change it? Yes. So that so that's another yeah. part of exposure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's they part can make of the it lax, more lax or more stringent. Yeah, I would really doubt they would go more lax. It, it I would, would hope not. Yeah, I, I think it, given where we are today, where the utilities were all we're all beating it by far. We we're far exceeding. Uh, Which everybody the, wins. Yeah, and especially the planet and all of its citizens. And, I mean, and, it makes really good sense. It, do, it does make good sense, and but we wouldn't be winning. And we wouldn't be beating that um, those targets if the cost of renewable energy hadn't come down so much. I mean, that's part of so the, real. It, yes, the the economics um, make had to it, work. Make it nice, yeah. Yep, yeah. it had to work. So you you can do. Remember, I said I went. Solar's gone down eighty percent. So you can do a heck of a lot more solar nowadays for your dollar than you could back in two thousand nine when we were just at the b- very beginning of. Yeah, that it was cost prohibitive. Standard. It was oh, yeah. only for the very rich. Yep. I mean, that's the, that was the reality of what happened. And for Arizona, I'm just interested in. I know the commission encourages solar, wind, biomass, biogas, geothermal, and other similar technologies to generate clean energy. Do we have anything going on in this state, like with geothermal or biogas? That, that's not... Bio, biogas, bio actually, we do. Okay. Um, the, the landfill, Los Realis landfill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yes. creates that methane. Yes. And we pipe that landfill gas out to our Sunt facility and burn it there in combination with right. regular natural right. gas um, to, uh, you know, to, to take advantage so of that. So that's methane. smart. Yeah, because if you don't, you just have to flare it because, you know, as, yes. as someone with the name Mrs. Green. Yes. <laughs> that it's me- just going out yeah, there. Yeah, that methane, methane. methane has, uh, is 22 times more damaging than CO2 to, or more effective at, at, uh, at or impact, impactful um, greenhouse gas than CO2. So everyone has to flare it. And that's just—it just seems crazy, but it's—it's it's actually safe. It's flaring methane is better than just letting it go into the atmosphere. But creating electricity out of it is—is—is uh, is, is the best of all worlds. You know, when I start my shirt third show, which has never been talked about on the air, I want to start a third show called <laughs> the rant. And then I'm going. One of the things I'm going to rant about first is that people say dirty coal, dirty coal, fossil fuel, fossil fuel. Why aren't people going nuts about methane? It's dirty. It's the cattle industry. It's big ag. It's a significant part. And you don't even have to comment because I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's my rant. I've had several national guests on the show recently that are showing me reports that are credible reports, science-based, talking about the number, the, the numbers of methane, you know, the percentage that is really contributing to greenhouse gas and it's not being they're not getting beat up like the utility companies well, I'll, are sorry I'll, I'll opine on it a little bit but it's because it's it's hard um it's hard to go after a bunch of little really hard versus i mean the, the utilities there's only a finite number of us and as we kind of um merge over the, the past decade or so it's less and less people you have to go to and so it's it's easy you just go and implement easier a target and say here we all know where you Got live it. Got it. And here's a policy that we can implement for all of you. Um, you know, we know you're not the whole story. You know, there's transportation, there's methane, there's a lot of other stuff out there. But let's go after the easy pickings first. And that's what I, why I think it's occurred. In that well, manner. I might just be part of that tipping point to yeah. say you guys better be aware of what's happening with methane because of the big ag industry and the the cows and all of that. And they're devastation of the rainforest so we're not here to rant about mrs green's world okay (laughs) okay and i apologize for that but i had to get it out i just had to get it out so 10 years later this is going to be before and after the break where are you in terms of any are there any other components of that renewable energy you know plan that happened it's 10 years which blew me away because i think i remember when all of that started is it really? Do you are you on track to keep accelerating it as much yeah. as you can? Yeah. So yeah, beat we, compliance. Oh yeah. Get yeah, ahead of it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. So we're basically at almost twice the compliance now, um, and you know we we see us staying at that level uh, going forward, and uh, you know there's we, we've got 
solar. We've got a lot of solar. Um, we have 300 megawatts of what we call community scale, the larger right, size right. projects um, that we use in our system and feed it to everybody as part of the uh, of right. our overall portfolio. There's another 130 megawatts of distributed generation out there. We've got about 100 megawatts of wind. Um, so you add all that stuff up and it's over 500 megawatts of renewable energy um, that adds up close to, you know, nine, probably about 9% this year, maybe even closer to 10 by the time this year's done uh, of our of our energy consumption. And that's on a system that peaks at uh, 2,300 megawatts. So that's quite a, quite it's a big really proportion. Im- it's really impressive. It's a proportion from a, from a capacity perspective yeah. versus, you know, much higher than from an energy perspective. Got it. Got it. We're going to take another quick break, but when we come back, I think it's a perfect segue. One of the things that you told me when I met with you, I don't know, months ago, is about your not having to increase the grid load, I might be saying it wrong, Mm -hmm. because of the energy efficiency programs. And we have to talk about that because it's huge, and it's something that consumers would be interested about, and the success you've enjoyed because of that. Everybody, stay here with me. Mrs. Green's World, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, and we'll be back with more from Dave Hutchins in a minute. Mrs. Green's World's mission is to preserve the planet by creating a global community of people who care about the health of the earth. We educate, inform, and inspire. Mrs. Green's World is an independent, non-political, agenda-free voice. Your generous gift enables all of us to explore the issues facing the health of the planet in a comprehensive way. As a Mrs. Green's World sustainer, you can assist us in offering trusted information, providing listeners with the tools to make their own conclusions and choose their own steps to create a healthier planet. Visit MrsGreensWorld.com and click on Become a Member today. Welcome back, everybody. I am Gina Murphy-Darling, and this is Mrs. Green's World. Thanks for being with us. The name of our show today is The Many Faces of Energy, Challenges and Triumphs, and we're getting to cover a lot of that because Dave, our guest, Dave Hutchins, who's the president and CEO of Tucson Electric Power Company and its parent company, UNS Energy Corporation, has 20 years' experience working inside a corporation that has some unique structures, has shown a lot of thought leadership both here and around the country and so that I don't get in trouble from the social media team at TEP before I'm rushing to the end because we have one more thing to talk about for all of you out there around the country and in Tucson if you want to learn more about the programs about what kinds of initiatives that they have going on the website is TEP.com you can follow them on Facebook at Tucson Electric Power and on Twitter at TEP Energy. And they don't just write about what they're doing. There's lots of good energy tips that are really relevant and germane to you, whatever you wherever you are as a consumer. And I like that. It's a really you've got a really great social media team. Yeah, they they're they're <laughs> really fantastic. stepped it up there. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It, definitely in the twenty first century. So let's talk about the energy efficiency program. Is it safe to say I'm prone to hyperbole? I know that I exaggerate. Mm-hmm. But there has been really some outstanding success because of the aggressive, thorough business and consumer energy efficiency programs. Talk about no, that. that. That absolutely, it's I, you know, big. Yeah, it is big, and and some of it has to do with um, some policy direction set from the Corporation Commission. I want to say back in 2010 or so, um, and we do have an energy efficiency standard, and we we. Uh, pull together these what we call our energy efficiency resource plans every year take them to the commission to introduce cost effective ways of uh, reducing energy consumption right um, and it's it, that so energy efficiency is the first thing you should do that is by far um, the the least cost resource alternative that we have and what does that involve it it, in, it involves things like um, LED or CFL light bulbs LED you right. know, CFLs are kind of on the way out and LEDs are on the way in um, it's uh, improving your your HVAC system when you go to replace it you replace it's it huge it's, oh that's a huge one that, huge. that is a, that is very big if you have a, if you have an air conditioner that's 10 years old if you get one that's just the standard one, you're probably going to save 30% on your summer uh, cooling costs. If you get, you know, then the next higher efficient one, you're going to probably add another 10, 15%. So it's a very big difference in uh, in your consumption on in, in the desert, as 
might not be surprising here right. in, in Arizona. I mean, uh, but all, all kinds of, of, of uh, things like that, home automation control. Weather stripping. Weather stripping. Yes, that's all of those things where you're energy efficiency is de- is is defined as basically getting that same output with less energy in. right so right. that's that's less consumed the, yeah so that's the kind of programs that we're talking about there um building programs new homes etc making sure that the shell the shell is tight and built right and low e windows and all that good stuff and that you have the right um circulation and that the ducts are sealed and all of those types of, of programs are energy efficiency which is a little bit different than what we think about from a conservation right, perspective. Right, conservation, right. so energy efficiency is putting in the new HVAC and keeping that thermostat at, I don't know, what, 78? Right. right. Um, or let's say 76. Is that too hot? To 76 say? is okay, better. So, so then again, keeping <laughs> your thermostat at 76. And so you have a nice, you know, cool house at the same temperature, but you have a bill that's probably 20 to 30 to even 40% lower. Right. Um, conservation is turning your your thermostat up to 78 in the summer. So it's it's using less but you're you're trading something. You're not getting that that same result. But it's so important that we focus on those type of especially before we go and do more things like renewables. Because and that's that's something I always was was hoping that we'd get to and who knows maybe maybe in the in the near future we might. But we have an energy efficiency uh, well, first we have an integrated resource plan, and we always treat energy efficiency as a resource in that plan. We pick right, programs. Right, the IRP. Yes, the integrated resource <laughs> plan. Yep, and uh, so we have that as a resource. We have um, we we have the renewable portfolio standards. So you have all of these different pieces going in different directions, but you if you don't look at all of them at the same snapshot in time, you'll get different results. And what I'm hoping that someday as a, as a state we pull all those things together into one, you know, integrated resource plan where we look at things competing with each other rather than one Got it. In, in, in silos. Because what should you do, more renewables or more energy efficiency today when you're doing your resource plan? Well, that depends. If you ran out of all the cheapest energy efficiency you can do and the next is more expensive than renewables then you do renewables but until then you should be doing more energy efficiency um, because th- at the end that will be the least cost alternative and still the same low carbon alternative as renewable energy so you but the programs themselves you partnered with hvac companies that were trained in how to do this and you offer rebates and it wasn't just a focus on consumers just homes a lot of business because yes. i know like for example the congress hotel congress hotels and bigger buildings where it involved really looking at where basically the way i say it as a consumer is where's the energy leaking out exactly i mean that's really and how are you keeping it the hot from coming in as much yeah it's 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 really it's really simple in the desert you look you know where's the cold air leaking <laughs> Go out there and you see that. Yep. Make sure you close your fireplaces if you have one and all that stuff. Don't heat the outside by all of those things because it's really, it's not good on any level. Yeah, it's, it's refrigeration uh, in, in, in our neck of the woods. Um, it's lighting because there's still, you know, a fair amount of, oh, there's probably not, you know, there's been a lot of, of replacement and lighting, particularly from our programs and, and, and others, um, you know, across the across our service territory in the, in the past several numerous years i should say um so the, but there's still some lighting improvements that can be done there um and then motors are kind of the other big one if, if there's a manufacturing motors that aren't in a hvac or right, refrigeration right. so if there's process motors etc those are things that we look at um and you know there's it, it, it's it's pretty straightforward um and it's very easy to get businesses attention um, but, There's, but it's, they're incentivized. Okay, so they're incentivized. But here's here's the thing that how we have to tweak this conversation a little bit because we have to move away from the incentive being saving money and move it to, towards saving the planet. Because I feel like ringing the bell because uh, that should be the end game. Yes, right. Well, that's <laughs> that yeah, should we, be the we, end we, game, we, people. That, that's that, a that really good be. point. But having having the having only the conversation around energy efficiency because you will save money um, isn't the whole story. 
and it will come a time because we have we have a lot of fixed costs in our system the the poles the wires the transformers um uh you know us are the people who work at tep the cost of providing your service um, doesn't change one iota that big that fixed cost doesn't change one iota whether you use one kilowatt hour or a million right, a month right and if if when we get to actually having the right price signals out there to our customers so they know what the variable change is instead of over incentivizing energy efficiency um, then we can have the conversation that I think is a little bit more appropriate which is we're doing this to reduce emissions not necessarily to save money we got to get people thinking. In that if they're going to well. be part of the movement to get that green needle forward, everybody does have to be conscious of that. It's a, yeah. I interviewed a guy who I just have so much respect for, Joel McCower, and he's the head of Green Biz. And in my world, it's a big deal. He mm-hmm. has these international conferences and national conferences, and he's got he's got you know Microsoft and Google and all those people at the table. And he said, "What you're talking about is the why." It's not just the what. Right. The what is the energy efficiency program, but the why is because we really need to think about climate change and global warming and what can we do as citizens of the planet together to slow that down. And it's a shift in conversation because totally we have shift always in conversation. we've always made you know, not to get in the archaic conversation of a utility guy, but I can't help it. I mean, when when we have a, a rate design right. where you recover a lot of these fixed costs through volumetric usage, which they're, they're just mismatched, um, you need to fix that so that you get the right long-term solution uh, for your resources. And in order to do that, you got to make sure people understand in the conversation that, hey, even if you don't save a nickel, this is right. still the right thing to do. And you'll still be just That's as comfortable. a whole shift in consciousness. Yes, yes. Not just conversation. I mean, that is, to me, you've got to pay for it. And I say the same thing when it comes to buying organic produce. I mean, there are many <laughs> of these things. I was going to use that example, No, actually. it's a perfect example. Yeah. It's like you are contributing to the health of yourself. Yep. And you might want to do one less latte or buy a little less meat and spend a little bit more of your budget on organic produce. Okay, so here's... here's a, <laughs> that got you excited. Uh, yeah, it, it is because I, I used a, a, a kind of a, a worn-out analogy that people were giving me grief because they, they, they didn't like it, <laughs> but I'll give it to you anyway. But it was, I'll, I'll like it. <laughs> because you, you basically said it. And that's, you know, if you want to go on, on a diet, you, you need to diet first and then buy... Or if you want to get healthy, you need to diet right. first and then you, then you eat organic. Right. You don't go straight to the organics. So energy efficiency is the diet, and renewable energy is the organic food. Got it. So you don't you don't want to go. You can't afford to eat as much as you were <laughs> eating right. before that's right. of organic food because <laughs> that will that will break the bank. So that's the that, that, you, you put it in the same kind. See, it is a kind of a labored it is, metaphor, but but, but <laughs> it, it and it, it it begs the deeper conversation that you're talking about. Where I say to people, you have a budget for groceries. What happened with us is, oh my gosh, this this is so expensive. This was organic lettuce and this is that. Well, when we stop buying as much meat, which is one of the most mm-hmm. expensive items in your budget yep. that you buy at the store, guess what? You can buy a lot of organic beets for one steak. And that's yep. the truth. I yeah. mean, so it's reframing how we think things should cost. And I always say to people, you know, they say, I'm not, I can't afford to buy organic. And I said, how many Starbucks did you have this week? Mm-hmm. To my friends, I can say that too. Or how much like, did you buy of the other stuff that you didn't eat all and threw away? Yes, exactly. You just be, you just, you're smarter about the purchases. Or food that's making you sick. That's no, what I that's, say. Yeah. It's like food that's making you sick. There's another healthcare part but, of that. But don't skimp on wine. Don't skimp on <laughs> wine. <laughs> that's right. And you don't even have to um, go organic. And I'm trying to think about, there's so many things more that I want to talk about in the minutes that we have left. And I think... There's two that I want to try and fit in. Okay. One is, as a company, as a corporation, I have been on the asking end for many years in this community in terms of charities mm-hmm. and ph- philanthropy. And TEP always comes up and say, oh, let's go to TEP. You have a structure. But you. more importantly, what I have seen evolved, and tell me if this is true or not, mm-hmm. is a much more intentional way that you go about with your philanthropic efforts 
that have meaningful and lasting impact. Is yeah, that fair? That's, that's what I've exactly observed, fair. and that's that's something that over the past it matters couple of years we've you're not really just throwing been, money out there. Yeah, we do, we want to focus because yes. if you just you know piddle away a whole bunch of money here and there and don't have an impact, then what's the point? And so we we got together our our team and said, what are the areas that we want to focus on? And they're the education, um, and it's environment, and it's it, it's basically what I kind of call the helping hand, uh, community assistance. Right, And right. those are the three areas that we want to focus in. And in, in fact, you know, our, our grants that make a difference. Yes. Um, yep. Where we um, bring in and, and give out grants as people apply for them. Um, you can get more information on that on TEP.com. Uh, but we have, in order to be more impactful, we have focused more money on that process. So where in past we've done $100,000, this year we're doing $250,000. And we want to have it in those specifically targeted areas so that we really can have an impact. So we changed the name to Community Impact Grants um, because we want to see bigger impacts in, in the community. We want to see better partnerships uh, amongst the nonprofits so they can come in. Nonprofits are scared to come in and ask for $20,000 or $25,000. I mean, that's a big ask for some of those. Yes. And, you know, we want to make sure that hey, you could come in, partner with some other some of these other folks, come in and ask for those bigger chunks because we can really have an impact in education environment and helping helping out our our fellow um, community members that need a helping hand. And that, I could not agree with you more. You know, for years and years and years, I'm like, why don't they just give out you know the funding sources? Why don't they just give out five big ones instead of 20 little ones? Because yep. what's $1,000 going to do for the nonprofit on the board I sit? And, you yep. know, a great example of that in our city is Angel Charity. Yep. We raise a lot of money for a big impact and do a building or program money for three years. And I, the Rotary Club of Tucson, I'm in Rotary, but they're the big club. Yep. But what they do for literacy, they decided yep. we're going to give a lot of money to make a big difference, and I think that's great. And the other one I have to talk about, I, I do, because it's a, it's such a heart space thing for me, and I wonder about how it, it speaks to other um, utility companies if they're watching with the help of social media. But I, of course, love the Raptor Protection Program. Oh. <laughs> I have to bring that up, because it's like we have hawks in our neighborhood. We have the thing recently with the Cooper's Hawks jumping out of their nest. You collaborate with the University of Arizona, another great partner. Tell us what that program is and why it's so important. It is. It, it's one piece of it that matters. It, it, it is. It's really important to us because you know we we put basically up a, you know these very attractive nesting sites. Every pole <laughs> yes. is a very attractive nesting site. Clear the, view. Yeah, the birds are like I can see <laughs> everywhere. I can see clearly the, now. The trouble is if their wingspans happen to be wider than where the how far apart right, the wires right. are and you know they they can end up you know getting electrocuted and so we have uh, you know that's always been a concern of the electric industry and we specifically here with so many raptors in our in our service territory we have a very dying yeah dying and we have a very uh, active program to go out and and protect those raptors building basically building nests up on the top where they can you know bring their you know sticks and whatever to to build out the nest but it's a it's a perch that's a safe perch and it, and there's there's also guards to protect them from the wires coming and going from the nest and those kind of things, and I'm glad you brought that up. It, there we're actually just going to start. I had to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're just going to start uh, uh, some. Uh, I think there t there may be TV commercials because I can't imagine them playing as well on radio. Right, right. Um, to to try to describe what one of these things look like, but uh, we're going to be running those uh, starting the summer. Uh, to talk a little bit about that program because it is really, really important to us. Um, that's you know they're they're such a you know beautiful um, all the, the 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 raptors are such beautiful creatures that we want to make and sure that we protect just them. Just enrich our community and give us a piece of nature in our city. And yeah. I can't believe we're getting the two minute warning. I just can't stand that. I just we could extend <laughs> is this the show. Is this the first break? It's like you know, th wow. yeah, this is the first break. And everybody, I want to repeat that you can. Um, go to TEP.com. It's a website that's very easy to navigate. It's got all the bells and whistles. As I said, Tucson Electric Power on Facebook 
at TEP Energy, and there's another Twitter handle, and it's T- at TEP. It's about the alerts, and I don't know what it is. I follow it. So if there's oh, a yeah. outage, at, an outage, at TEP outage, at TEP outage, in case you're wondering what's happened, and they are on it, giving us Twitter messages. And, and like, we'll we'll have an app coming out later this summer, which will uh, be, you'll be able to pay your you bill. Of course you will. Yeah, I, I told you you gotta you gotta get an <laughs> there's app. There's gonna if you don't be have an, an app. app for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You pay your well, bill, you get outage notifications, all that good stuff. I hope that you have enjoyed this as much as I have. I have. It's just been an absolutely delightful interview. I don't stop usually to say that, but the time flew, and I think we covered a lot of good and really important information. We did not, and this was not by design, I'm saying this honestly, talk about the um, the rate cases. And you know what? I'm just, be- I'm just happier that we didn't because there's been a lot of information here that I think the consumer will appreciate, no matter where they are around yeah. the country, about the complexity of delivering safe, affordable, reliable, and sustainable energy. It's just not easy, and learn more about it. So everybody, please remember that you can listen to the podcast of this show by visiting mrsgreensworld.com and clicking on the Listen Now button, or download the iHeartRadio app and put in Mrs. Green's World, and you can listen to us there. How great is that? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so that you can know about all things sustainable and great tips for your health and a healthy planet. Thank you, my friend. It's been a great show, everybody. Make it a great green week and live sustainably. 